Welcome to the Cross Church Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. This message was presented on November 10th and is the second in our series, No Worries, a study in Luke 12. Pastor Allen zeroes in on verse 31, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. It's a great reminder that Jesus should be our priority, not money. Enjoy. Of, of, of all that you are and all that you have, your skills, your talents, the resources that have been entrusted to you. Um, you're, giving, uh, you're giving your whole self to be a blessing to others. Well, folks, that's really what it means to be a Christian. Now, there's some of you here today that say, Pastor, I don't believe in tithing. So again, this is, some people believe in it, some people don't believe in it because the, the argument is that tithing is not talked about in the New Testament. But I would tell you that it is. But I'm not going to get into that this morning. In fact, I would tell you that I can make a very good theological case for tithing in the New Testament. But we're not talking about that today. We're talking about worry-free living and worry-free living through giving. You'll see that. See what I mean by that in just a few moments. Um, for those of you who think that you can go to church and never give, well, if you're not a believer today, absolutely, you're welcome here. You don't have to give a nickel. Come and partake and, and fellowship with us and hopefully be encouraged by our messages and sing with us and worship with us. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you would say today, I'm born again, I'm a born-again Christian, I am converted, then by very nature, by, by, by very definition, of, of being a Christian, then, then you, you have to be a giver. And the reason is this, is because Jesus Christ himself was a giver. In fact, that's how God describes himself, or he describes his love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. This is what it means to follow Christ, to imitate him. It means that you are a giver. So whether you believe in tithing or not, I don't care. I don't care if you believe in that or not. What I do care about, however, is that you understand that it is your job as a Christian to participate in the act of giving. It's part of our worship experience. That is why every Sunday we have a giving time. We receive tithes and offerings because we understand that that's what, that's what Christians do. That's part of our worship experience. Now, here's the thing. If you don't give, may I ask, how do you expect the bills to be paid around here? You have, you have driven into the parking lot, and on, when you come to the parking lot on Sunday, if it snowed, you expect that it's going to be cleared, and you expect that when you come into the building, there's going to be warmth, and you expect that, that uh, there'll be lights on. You'll be, you expect that there's somebody giving a sermon. And my question is this. How do you expect that all this is going to be happening if you don't participate in the act of giving. You quickly recognize how absurd it is to think that if you're a Christian, you don't have to give. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. The next question I have for you is this. If you don't give, how do we care for the orphans in Burundi? How do we care for orphans anywhere in the world if people are not participating in the act of giving? I know some of you are sitting here today thinking, oh, Pastor Owen, I can't afford to give right now. 
Well, hopefully by the end of, the, of this message, you'll recognize that you can't afford not to give. Here's another question for you. How do we fulfill, how do we complete the Great Commission if we don't give? If we are not contributing to the costs involved in advancing God's kingdom around the world, it's not possible unless you give. Let me ask you another question. Do you think it's fair that just a few people should carry the the financial load of the whole church? Do you think that's fair? I asked Denny to crunch some numbers for me. I said, Denny, find out. I don't want to know names. I don't, I don't want to know that. Um, by the way, there's a reason why I don't want to know what people give. Uh, I know a pastor that actually decided that it was his job to know what everybody in the church was giving, and he said it was so devastating to him that he had to quit. He had to quit ministering at that church because he couldn't, couldn't carry that heavy burden. So I don't want to know what anybody gives. But I said, what I want to know is is where is this money coming from? And here's what he said. He said that there's 37 people, 37 people in this church that provide for half or 50% of the whole church budget. Does that shock anybody here? And of those 37 people, 17 of them are staff and elders and their spouses. In fact, what he said was, if you look at just the staff and the elders, they give 23% of the total church budget. Now, by any measure, that is, that is completely not fair. But we're not talking about fairness today. And what we're doing is we're talking about what's best for you. Because this is what, this is what we recognize in reading the Scripture Jesus never takes that tact. He never says, well, hey, this is unfair. Why should just a few people carry the responsibilities of the work of God? That's not what Jesus is doing. What he's doing is he's trying to teach each and every one of us the importance of giving and the impact that that makes on every one of us. So what I want to do for you today is I want to teach you what you need to do in order to live a worry-free life. Now, the statistics say that 69% of North Americans worry or are preoccupied with money or financial matters. So if you've got 10 people in your row, that means that 6.9 of them or 7 of them are struggling with this whole issue of money. Where is it going to come from? Am I going to have enough? Where am I going to get my food? Where am I going to get my clothes? What about my job? And so on and so forth. For somebody who's a Christian, for somebody who's a follower of Jesus Christ, we understand that we must trust God to meet all our needs. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. We trust him. We trust him to meet the need. As Christians, we don't think, oh, well, I'm going to let the rich people in church carry the load. It's absolutely ridiculous. What, What God calls us to is to participate with him and making a difference in this world. And in making a difference in this world and bringing hope to a hurting world, you and I learn what it means to live worry-free. And so for a lot of people, when it comes to giving, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear about it. Uh, I could have I entitled the message, uh, the, the message series, Giving, but I, I didn't want it to scare people off. What I wanted to do, however, is I wanted to focus on the benefit 
of giving. So for a lot of people, the idea of giving or tithing or sharing, they consider that a problem. Pastor Allen, you've just added another layer of, of worry and anxiety to my life. If that's what you think, then you don't get Christianity at all. Because here's what you need to know. Giving is not a problem for the believer. Giving, listen to this, is the solution to whatever it is that you're struggling with in your life. The problem is not giving. The solution is giving. So I'm going to show that to you this morning. And by the way, I just want to give you a quick disclaimer. I gave it to you last week. In case you think that this sermon series is just so that we get more money into the coffers, you completely missed the point. Here's why I need to talk to you about giving. Because the pastors and the elders are seeing a shortfall in general giving and thus understand that this is a spiritual problem amongst God's people. Now, again, I don't know what anybody's giving, but you do. You know whether you're giving or not. And what I'm telling you today is that if you are not giving, if you are not sharing in the advancement of God's kingdom, this is a spiritual problem for you. I can tell you, God doesn't need your money, but you need to give. It's for your sake. Here's what I know after 25 years in this church and seeing miracle after miracle after miracle is that God always meets our need. Somehow, someway, the bills are always paid. And, and honestly, I've come to the place now I don't worry about this stuff. I haven't worried about it uh, almost since day one. I learned quickly I can trust God to meet the need. So the disclaimer this morning is to say, this is not for me, it's not for the elders, it's not for Cross Church, it's for you. This series is for you. So let's talk really quickly for a moment about who God is. You and I need to understand that God is a giving God. In fact, I just want to quickly give you, uh, uh, just share with you what Jesus himself says in Luke chapter 12. This is what he says. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. And by everyday life, what do we mean? Well, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. So here's what everybody needs to know. If you are a, a sincere follower of Jesus Christ, You're not a worrier. You're not anxious about anything. You are worry-free. You're worrying worry. You're living worry-free. You say, Pastor Allen, that's all nice uh, in in theory, but how does this, how does this, how does this actually, how how can this be possible in my day-to-day life? I'm going to show you that in just a moment, but there's a first, a few things you need to know about God before I can tell you what you need to do in order to live a worry-free life. What you need to know and this is just a quick theology lesson, is that you need to know that one of the ancient, ancient theological titles for God is divine providence. Uh, not, it's not, a, not a, in recent years, but, to, but you know, 50, 100 years ago, people would refer to God as divine providence. That's how God was, was, was known. He is the one who provides. So in theology, in theological terms, 
we have two, two categories for providence. First, general providence, which is God sustaining the universe, God sustaining uh, our world. It continues to spin on its axis, and, it can, and the moon continues to revolve around the earth, and the earth continues to revolve around the sun, and so on and so forth. And we have our seasons, and there's a season of growing and a season of harvesting, there's a season of, of watering. There's a, a, a season of warmth. This is all part of what we call general providence. And every one of us is familiar with it. In fact, in fact, uh, the scripture tells us that, that this general providence is the proof that there is a God. But there's more. There's what we call special providence. It's very specific. It's God providing for individuals, God sustaining people. And if you're a Christian here today and you are following hard after God, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, when the theologians talk about special providence, they include in that category miracles, the miracles that take place in your life. Now, I was telling you about this couple that used to go to our church, and they talked about the miracles of God's provision when they learned how to give. And they were excited about it. They, they, they became like evangelists for giving. But somehow in their new church, the pastor in all his wisdom, and I say that a little bit uh, facetiously, uh, he, uh, he gave them the impression that they don't have to give. So here's what I'm telling you today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then this is who you are and this is what you do. You are a giver. Why? Because God is a giver. And you and I are called to imitate our Father in heaven. Now, here's what I want to just point out to you. Encoded in the Christian faith is this idea of God providing for his children. In fact, some of the disciples came to Jesus and said, Master, here's what we know. We know that, that a lot of the other rabbis are teaching their pupils how to pray. So, Master, could you teach us how to pray? Jesus says, I've been waiting for you to ask me that. And then he says this, whenever you pray, pray like this. Whenever you pray, pray like this. Now, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people have missed that. Whenever you pray, here's what you need to pray. And it begins, our Father. Just stop right there. Jesus wants us to understand our relationship to God. He's not some sort of an impersonal cosmic being that we can't know. No. Jesus wants us to understand that we have a personal relationship with God whereby he provides for us. He's our father, and it's important to understand that. God wants to be known as your father. Now, I can tell you this, that when I became a father, and you've heard me say this a number of times, when I became a father, it absolutely changed my understanding of who God is. I recognize that, my, that as a father, I want to provide for my kids. I want to make sure that they have every benefit that is possible or available. I want to make sure that, that my kids have that. Now, the Bible says, Jesus says, Jesus himself says this, if, if you who are earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, God, give good gifts to us? Do you understand today that God's your Father and he wants to provide for you? There's a few people doing this. 
Let me ask that one more time. I'll remind you that this is a Pentecostal church. <laughs> How many people know today that God wants to provide for you? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. God wants to provide for you because he's your father. Should we read on in the, in the, in the prayer? And the, the fifth petition is, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I want you to see that. I want you to see that there's a dailiness to this relationship with the Father. It's not just for Sundays. It's every day we're connecting to the Father and we're asking him to provide for us and meet our needs, all your needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Sustain us every day, Father. How many have that kind of relationship with God? This is precisely what it means to be a Christian is that you have this daily relationship with God. If you've come to church thinking that you're going to try out the Christian religion, well, I'm glad that you're here trying to figure it out, but let me just remind you that this is not just religion we're talking about. We're talking about a personal, intimate relationship with God whereby God engages us and we respond to him. This is what it means to be a Christian. God providing for his children every day. By the way, do you know this is exactly what God wanted to teach the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness? Every day, they, every morning, they'd get up and what would they do? They'd go get their manna. What are they learning? They're learning about the everydayness of their relationship with God. This is what's wrong with Christianity in North America is that we have failed to understand the everydayness of our relationship with God. We, we talk to him every day, and we allow him to talk to us every day. We, that's why we read our Bibles every day, so God can speak to us. So understand, then, that if you're a Christian today, you know that God wants to provide for you every day. This is what the Apostle Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God will supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is how the Apostle Paul lived. And if you read his letters in the New Testament, you'll find that that's exactly how Paul lives. He's constantly relying on God. He's constantly constantly trusting that God is going to meet his every need. Now, last week, I told you about the parable of the rich farmer from Luke chapter 12. It's, it's a, about a quarter of the way down. It begins in Luke chapter 12, where the rich man, the rich farmer, he's got such marvelous, marvelous crops, big crops, so many crops that he has to tear down barns and build brand new ones. And yet Jesus calls this rich farmer a fool. Now, why does he do that? Because God hates big barns? Obviously not. Because God hates successful big crops? Obviously not. That's not the problem. The problem is that this rich farmer was only focused on his wealth only focused on what he had. He was not focused on God at all. And for this reason, God says, yes, Jesus says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. And you know the story about the rich farmer. He, he gets this massive crop. He builds new barns, fills the barns up, and then he's dead. Jesus says, you are a fool. If you... Uh, 
are rich in the things of this world, but you are not rich in your relationship with God. So if we're going to live a life that's, that has no worries, the first thing you need to understand is that you need to have a rich relationship with God. So then how do we, how do we live? What do we do in order to be worry-free and have all our needs met? Well, last week I shared with you an algorithm I found on the internet, and uh, it asked the question, do you have a problem? And if the answer is no, then the algorithm says, well, then don't worry. If the answer is yes, I have a problem, then the next question is, can you do something about it? And if the answer is no, then the answer is, then don't worry. If the answer is yes, I can do something about it, then it still comes to the same conclusion, then don't worry. Now, I'm just going to tell you that this is, this, is, this is the empty wisdom of this world. This is what I would call a nothing burger. There's nothing in it of value. It might, it might taste kind of good, but the fact of the matter is, it's all about positive thinking, positive confessions, cross your fingers, be optimistic, and hope for the best. This solves no problems. This doesn't help anybody. In fact, if anything, it leaves you even more hopeless and discouraged. It means that you're going to have to probably try to resort to something to quell the fear and the worry. How do you enjoy a life full of God's provision? Well, Jesus tells us the answer, and here it is. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. So this morning, here's what you need to know. If you want to have all your needs met, you would think that the smart thing to do would be to, to, to pursue Wealth building, pursue a knowledge of money, pursue financial growth. But Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh. That's the foolish way to live. That's what he says, verse 21. That's the foolish way to live. No, if you want God to give you everything you need, then what you need to do is you need to begin by seeking first the kingdom of God. You You need to... Pursue God and a relationship with him. Today is Nicholas Duncalf's 24th birthday. And if you see him roaming around here, make sure you say hi. He's, the, he's freakishly tall. <laughs> and you, you can't miss him. He's got a red beard. Um, 24 years old today. And I was filling out his car last night. I'm thinking, what can I say to Nicholas? What, what person... What, what, what advice, what, what counsel can I give him, which, be, which would be the best counsel ever, that would be able to carry him throughout his life? And of course, what came to my mind was this first, Luke 12, 31. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he'll give you everything that you need. When you seek first the kingdom of God, when you put God first, when you, when you make knowing God your priority, when you, when you commit yourself to saying, God, what do you want me to know today? And what do you want me to do? It's a game changer. Any normal father wants the very best for his children. And here's what, here's what I've discovered as a parent. If you think having little kids is difficult, wait till they're older kids. 
Wait till they turn 18. Those, those young years are the easy years. It gets much more difficult. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to be spending the rest of my life worrying about my kids. I don't want to be concerned about that. Besides which, Jesus tells me not to worry. So what do I do? I have to teach them that the most important thing that they're going to do in their life is to, is to know God, have a relationship, be rich in a relationship with God, prepared and willing to obey God. And then I got none to worry about. Because then I know my Father in heaven is going to take care of them. My job is done. My job is done. I've taught them how to have a relationship with God. And by the way, that's the way we've raised our three kids. They need to have an everyday relationship with God where they are listening to the voice of God and then they are obeying God. This is what Jesus is teaching us here. It's a whole new way of life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is how you live. This is what you do. You're seeking God every day. Your whole life is devoted to pursuing God and your relationship with him. It's not devoted to pursuing money or possessions. If you're not rich in your relationship to God, then the Bible says you're just a fool. I don't care how much money you have. You're still a fool. By the way, don't get angry at me because I'm not the one that said it. Jesus did. <laughs> We're trusting that God's going to meet our every need. Now, look at it. If you're here today and you're not a believer, then you're going to think, oh, this is all crazy stuff. And I knew it come to church. They're always asking for money. No, I'm not asking for anything because I already know that God will meet our needs. What I'm saying is that you need to do this if you're a follower of Christ. You need to live this life where you are pursuing God and worrying about nothing. God knows there's a competition for your heart. Did you know that? And you all know it. The love of stuff, the love of things, the love of money can very easily overwhelm your heart and your mind. It's exciting being an entrepreneur, making money, isn't it? It's exciting being able to, to, to see your money grow through compound interest. That's exciting to see the bank account growing. But the Bible says that that's all you got. You got nothing. So what you need to do is you need to learn, the way, learn to live the way Jesus calls us to live. And that's by pursuing God with all your heart so that you begin to understand God's provision. Hey, you know what? Jesus says you can't love both God and money. You're going to hate one and love the other or vice versa. Money, money and possessions and things can never compete for your love for God. You cannot allow this in your life. So the question is this, how do I break my fascination with money? How can I break the hold that greed will have on my heart? How can I love God only and not money? Well... Jesus tells us how. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to those in need. Pastor Allen, that sounds pretty radical to me. Bingo. That's how we live. We live as givers. We live in such a way that our money means nothing to us. 
You say, Pastor Allen, does that mean that I should live irresponsible? Of course not. In fact, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and we're going to be talking about this more next week, it means that you are a steward of what God has entrusted to you. God, God expects that you give all to him. And wonderfully, he's, he gives it back, entrusts it to you, and says, no, be a good steward of what I've entrusted to you. Everything that I have is not mine. So if I have problems with my car, I'll say, God, this is your problem. It's not my problem. <laughs> God, your car is, is falling apart again. Some people get so mad about my car. Stupid Ford. It's like, it's God's car. I'm God's son. I'm God's child. And God is going to take care of his son. And he's going to provide the resource to fix his car. That's how this works. So I don't have to worry. I have to worry about a thing. Unless, of course, I take matters into my own hands, which is what so many of us do. And we click back into the worry mode. God wants us to live worry-free by keeping our eyes fixed on him, by not loving things, not loving money, but loving him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Sell what you, th what you have and give it to those in need. I came up with, a, with my own algorithm. And I asked the same question that the, that the other algorithm asked. Do you have a problem? And if the answer is yes, the next question is, Jesus your king and savior? And if you answer no to that question, well, I, you're in the wrong place. I can't help you. I, all I can say is, well, just carry on worrying. It seems to work. But for those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, for those of us who recognize that Christ is our Savior and our King, we live very differently. So if you have a problem and the answer is, yes, I, I, I recognize Jesus as my King and my Savior, then we say, then don't worry. But we don't stop there. Because to simply say, don't worry, doesn't do any good for you. It doesn't help you. It doesn't tell you what to do. Doesn't, doesn't give something to replace that. So what we'll tell you to do is that you need to obey the king. And what does the king tell us to do? Well, we just read it, didn't we, in Luke chapter 12, verse 33, but also in Luke 6, 38. The king says to give. Now remember, this is for your sake. You need to give for your own spiritual well-being and your own spiritual growth and development. As I know there's people here today that say, I don't think Christians have to give. And I'm saying, yes, you do, because the king said so. Give. And once you've done that, then you can, you can believe God and trust God for his provision. Now, Gloria and I have been married for 30 years, and our whole 30 years, we've always tried to go way beyond 10% in our giving. Now, I'm not saying that to brag, but I'm saying this to say this. We learned very early in our married life that as long as we're giving, then we have nothing to worry about. God's going to meet our every need. And that's exactly what he's done. He's provided for us and met our every single need. And I'm telling you today, if you want to know God's provision in your life, I don't care what your condition is. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care how, how strapped you are for money. You need to start giving so that you can indeed release a miracle of God's special providence in your life. 
This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You trust him to meet your every need. The rich farmer is rich in earthly wealth, but bankrupt when it comes to his relationship with God. Yes, a person is a fool, Jesus says, to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You know what? I'm going to just tell you something. Jesus says that it's almost impossible for a rich person to go to heaven. Did you know that? Those are, that's, that's Jesus verbatim. It's almost impossible for a rich person to go to heaven. Matthew 19, 23 to 24. Then Jesus warned his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Did you hear that? Well, Jesus says, I'll say it again, just in case you didn't get it the first time. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I hate to break this to you, but everybody in this room today would be considered some of the richest people in the world. I'm going to tell you, even the poorest person in this room is still considered among the very richest in the world. Do you know that Canada is in the top 25 richest countries in the world? Our gross national income per capita, per person, this will blow you away, is $43,559. $43,559. It puts us in the, one of the top, top 25 richest countries in the world. Even the poorest people in our country are rich compared to many, many, many millions, hundreds of millions of people in poor countries. Just to give you perspective, the GNI, the gross national income for Canada, 43559 For Burundi, you know what it is? 280 bucks. There's just no comparison. I always say to people coming from third world countries, this is a very dangerous country to come to because it's a country where it's very easy to forget about God. And to forget about God and to lose God is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. You need to understand today that you need to be rich in your relationship to God. And you need to give. And in so doing, my friends, you will have a worry-free life. No worries equals giving. Or if we reverse that, Giving equals no worries. But for some, this is hard to take because you've just never been in the habit of giving anything and you don't like to give and don't tell me I have to give and I don't want to give. But I'm telling you, if you're a Christian today, my job as your pastor is to tell you that you have to give for your own spiritual growth and development, your own spiritual well-being. In fact, some of you today, even now, have a battle raging in your heart. God versus my money. And Jesus told a rich young ruler who came to Jesus, fulfilling all the laws to the T, perfectly, said, Master, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus knew the hold that money had on that rich young ruler. 
And Jesus said, give away everything you have and come follow me. And the rich ruler, you know what he said? I can't do it. My money is more important than God. Let's call it what it is. Do we understand that today? That's the battle that every single one of us is facing. Now, as far as the work of God goes, it's going to go on with or without you. But if you are going to be rich in your relationship with God, if you're going to have a, a no-worries lifestyle, then you're going to have to maintain your relationship with God, and you're going to have to learn what it means to give. Here's what Jesus, our master, says. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. This is a whole new way of living. If you're new in your relationship with God, I'm going to tell you, this sounds kind of scary. But once you start taking those first steps of faith and you say, God, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, but I'm going to give. Watch what God will do. For some of you, you have never known the miraculous in your life. You've never known the power of God working in your life. And I'm going to tell you that this is the first and the best way to experience and know the power of God doing miracles in your life. It's by taking that first step of giving. That's first step of faith. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you this morning for your word. You tell us how to live this worry-free life. Over and over and over again in Luke chapter 12, you keep telling us, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't be concerned, don't worry. But you're at the same time telling us to give. This doesn't make sense to the natural mind. And the reason it doesn't make sense to the natural mind is because this is spiritual. And the, the flesh, the natural mind cannot receive spiritual truth. So, Father, by your spirit this morning, we're asking for grace, for strength to obey the king. In that way, give and then enjoy God's provision in our life. God, this is your way. Help us to walk in it. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Amen. Tell the person beside you, go give. Go <laughs> give.